Ye have seen also the breaches of the city of David, that they are many. And ye gathered together the waters of the lower pool. Ye made also a ditch between the two walls for the water of the old pool, but ye have not looked unto the maker thereof, neither had respect unto him that fashioned it long ago. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 117, A Plaque in Istanbul and the Legacy of Hezekiah. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. It was several years ago that the Times of Israel featured an attention-grabbing headline. Minister offers Turkish mayor elephants for ancient Hebrew inscription. Miri Regev tries to get back 2,700-year-old Siloam inscription taken by the Ottomans and still held in Istanbul marks direct evidence of Bible's account of King Hezekiah's tunnel building in Jerusalem. Now, these words, of course, piqued my interest, and so I read on, quote, Culture Minister Miri Regev used an impromptu trip to southern Turkey for a basketball game to offer a different kind of trade. Two elephants for an ancient inscription from Jerusalem, currently housed in a Turkish museum that is considered one of the most important ancient Hebrew inscriptions in existence. Regev was heard making the offer in a video posted online of an informal, Hebrew-Turkish-English chat with Gaziantep Mayor Fatma Sahin Wednesday. Regev was in Turkey to accompany the Aroni Nahariya basketball team for a Europe Cup game after Turkish authorities insisted that a minister be present in order for the team to bring its own armed guards. We're willing to work for it, the mayor quips. Regev is heard telling her aides and translators, we'll make a deal, we'll give them the elephants, and they'll give us the inscription of Hezekiah. End quote. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, in Istanbul's Museum of Archaeology sits a somewhat nondescript stone inscribed with ancient Hebrew, which dates to the first temporal period. What it describes is absolutely remarkable, and it is a remnant of one of the greatest Davidic kings, a reminder of his story, which also allows us to wistfully ponder what might have been. In our past lecture, we saw how Hezekiah's Jerusalem was saved from the assault of the Assyrian ruler Sancherev by a miraculous angelic intervention. But the Tanakh, also informs us that in advance of the Assyrian invasion, Hezekiah's subjects took strategic steps and engaged in one of the most astonishing feats of engineering in the ancient world. In the Book of Kings, it receives only a very brief mention immediately after Hezekiah's death, 2 Kings 2020. And the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and all his might and how he made a pool and a conduit and brought water into the city, are they not written in the Book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? What is this pool and conduit? How did Hezekiah bring water into the city? The ancient geography of Jerusalem is essential to understanding what took place. The center of ancient Jerusalem is what we call Ir David, not west of the Temple Mount, but south. And it was that area, once surrounded with walls, that is the original old city of Jerusalem. As we have mentioned in the past, what we call today the walls of the old city are those west of the Temple Mount, walls built by Suleiman the Magnificent. Ancient Jerusalem was built in a way so that its defenses were strengthened by valleys on either side, especially the Kidron Valley, which is between the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem. The only issue in this defense plan is that Jerusalem's water source since its very beginnings was the Gihon Spring, which lay not in Jerusalem itself, but in the Kidron. Therefore, during a siege, it would not be accessible. Hezekiah wished to both ensure his water source during the Assyrian assault and to deny Sancherev access to water for his own troops. So, he created a tunnel between his city and the Gihon Spring, diverting its waters to within Jerusalem, creating an entirely new water source for the city. 
what became known during the Second Temple period as the Shiloach, Pool of Siloam. The location of Hezekiah's tunnel, in which water still flows, was known several hundred years ago and then rediscovered in 1838 by Edward Robinson. But it was only decades later that a truly amazing find occurred inside the tunnel. And in telling this entire story, as well as in giving this biblical explication, I am drawing on the writings and website of those who oversee the city of David today. In 1880, a boy by the name of Yaakov Eliyahu explored the tunnel with a friend. At one point, he slipped and fell into the water. As he clambered out, he noticed ancient Hebrew writing on the wall of the tunnel. Most boys might have ignored this, but Yaakov was a student of the German architect Konrad Schick. Schick received the credit for the plaque, which, when discovered, was part of the wall of the tunnel itself. Unfortunately, however, the plaque did not stay attached to Hezekiah's tunnel. Ten years after the discovery, a Greek antiquities dealer chiseled the plaque off the wall in order to steal it, breaking it into several pieces in the process. The Ottoman authorities intervened and took the pieces of the plaque back to Istanbul, which is why it is there to this day. Meanwhile, in the Hezekiah Tunnel, there is only a mere duplicate that those waiting within it can look upon. The message on the stone had been inscribed by the very workers who had created the tunnel for Hezekiah. Translated, the plaque found on the tunnel wall reads as follows. The day of the breach. This is the record of how the tunnel was breached. While the excavators were wielding their pickaxes, each man towards his co-worker, and while there were yet three cubits for the breach, a voice was heard, each man calling to his co-worker, because there was a cavity in the rock extending from the south to the north. So on the day of the breach, the excavator struck each man to meet his co-worker, pickaxe against pickaxe. Then the water flowed from the spring to the pool, a distance of 1,200 cubits. 100 cubits was the height of the rock above the heads of the excavators. What the plaque revealed was that, incredibly, those creating the tunnel had started from two different openings, one group from the Gijon outside the city and the other from within the walls, and then they met in the middle. How this was achieved, how a snaking tunnel a third of a mile long was created from two ends, how two groups of people underground could find each other, continues to fascinate scholars today. So many articles have been written offering suggestions, which are beyond the scope of today's talk, but on this All agree, the ingenuity is astonishing. What the Bible very briefly describes is one of the most brilliant feats of human endeavor in Jewish history. And the men who achieved it knew that they had done something truly great, which is why they established an inscription celebrating what they had done. We can now see why some Israeli leaders longed to get this stone inscription back from Istanbul. It is an embodiment of ingenuity in self-defense of a Jewish commonwealth. and an important historical link to ancient Jewish Jerusalem. It is indeed incredible, and it would be wonderful if this plaque was on display in Israel. As impressive as Hezekiah's tunnel is, however, the one passage in the prophets that seems to address it is, remarkably, somewhat critical. This is Isaiah 22, verses 11 and 13. Ye have seen also the breaches of the city of David, that they are many, and ye gathered together the waters of the lower pool, you made also a ditch between the two walls for the water of the old pool, but ye have not looked unto the maker thereof, neither had respect unto him that fashioned it long ago. What was wrong about Hezekiah's engineering achievements? Was it not responsible to prepare for war? Interestingly, the rabbis in the Mishnah list Hezekiah's diversion of the Gihon Spring as something of which Jewish tradition does not approve, whereas another rabbinic source, Pirkei Drabeliezer, argues the opposite that the diversion was appropriate and worthy of celebration. So is this extraordinary act something to celebrate or not? 
The answer, I think, is that it may depend. Of course, one should responsibly prepare for war, and that may indeed obligate brilliant maneuvers, out-of-the-box thinking, military strategy. Isaiah's point is that Israel must never forget its ultimate source of protection. Isaiah seems to sense that at the very least, there was not sufficient feeling of needing the help of God from those who created the tunnel. Note that the text of the inscription, which is not from Hezekiah himself, but from the workers, is a celebration of their achievement. It is an act of human genius, worthy of admiration, even awe. But in the end, Israel is saved when Hezekiah ascends to the temple in order to seek salvation from God. From that meeting, a miracle emerges. Hezekiah, for Jewish tradition, was one of the greatest of Jewish kings, but he could have been greater. The sages suggest that Hezekiah following the salvation from Assyria could have ushered in the Messianic age. The painful truth is that precisely when Israel did not have an empire, when it achieved a stunning miraculous victory over the greatest assembled army on earth, when Jerusalem mysteriously endured, at that time the world was ready to hear about the God of Abraham who dwelled in Jerusalem. We had seen before how Solomon dreamt of the entire world looking to Jerusalem. It was precisely during Hezekiah's reign, not during the empire of Solomon, when Solomon's dream could have come true, not by creating an empire of power, but by utilizing the miracle of Jerusalem's survival to draw the world to Jerusalem. As we have discussed, the legacy of King David and the eternal lesson to his descendants is that it is God who guards kings in the valley of the shadow of death, and that it is God, not kings, to whom ultimately Israel should give the full credit for salvation. The lesson of Isaiah's critical comments about the celebrating of the building of the tunnel is that Israel needs to join a proper focus on military strategy and activity with a feeling of reliance on God. We will see in the book of Isaiah how many of the prophet's messianic visions seem to be potentially applied to Hezekiah himself, because had Hezekiah chosen to emphasize the glory of God at the right moment, or as the sages put it, had he turned to offer songs of thanksgiving to God immediately after the miraculous salvation from Assyria, then the eschatological era might well have arrived. Instead, we find Hezekiah at the end of his life, not as the Messiah, but as a confident king showing off his royal city to the leaders of a rising power. Verse 12. At that time, Barodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present unto Hezekiah, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah hearkened unto him and showed them all the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment, and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. Then came Isaiah the prophet unto king Hezekiah and said unto him, What said these men, and from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country, from Babylon. And he said, What have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All the things that are in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. And Isaiah said unto Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And so it was. But nevertheless, we remember Hezekiah for his enormous achievements, for restoring the temple to the center of Jewish worship, for ending idolatry in Israel, and for turning Israel to the Almighty. All these accomplishments will be undone by his son and successor, and yet Hezekiah is remembered with reverence all the same. And he is one of the kings of the past, with whom we can, in a sense, 
come into contact. For, as the media reported several years ago, the late great archaeologist Elat Mazar announced one of the most incredible of archaeological discoveries. I cite from CNN, quote, A dump site is the last place you would expect to find an 8th century BC seal for a papyrus document signed by one of the kings of Judah. Perhaps that's why it has taken 2,700 years for the piece of clay inscribed with King Hezekiah's seal to be discovered in Jerusalem. It is believed to be the first ever seal, also referred to as a bula, from an Israeli or Judean king to be discovered by archaeologists. The seal of the king was so important, it could have been a matter of life or death, so it's hard to believe that anyone else had the permission to use the seal, Elat Mazar, who directs excavations at the city of David's summit, told CNN. Therefore, it's very reasonable to assume we are talking about an impression made by the king himself using his own ring, end quote. Mazar at the time told CNN that, quote, this is the greatest single item I have ever found. And she added, the Bible describes King Hezekiah as one of the most important kings after King David. He was rich, daring, stood up against Assyrians, a very impressive king, end quote. He was indeed. The plaque of Hezekiah's tunnel is in Turkey, but thanks to Elat Mazar, Israelis can now hold Hezekiah's legacy in the palm of their hands. This is Mayor Soloveitchik wishing you a joyful and meaningful Thanksgiving and looking forward to learning together tomorrow. Signing off.